Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am in conversation with one of my favorite people in the entire world, the Columbus Dispatch's assistant sports editor, the great and the good Lori Schmidt. Following the outburst during last Saturday's win over Tulsa that eventually led to former Ohio State linebacker Kayvon Pope being dismissed from the team, I had a lot of complicated emotions about how things shook out and how people reacted to it, and I wrote a column about them that I will link to in the show notes and the article version of this podcast. But that column really only focused on the human side of the story. But I was still a bit riled up about how it had been covered in the media, so there was literally no one in the world that I wanted to talk to about this more than Lori. In the nearly 19 years since I first met and worked with Lori at 1460 The Fan, there have been very few people to cover Columbus sports with as much integrity and professionalism as the Mad Hatter of sports reporting herself. But she also just happens to be one of the most decent and empathetic human beings that I know. So in our conversation, Lori details the media's missteps in handling the outburst, how that could have made the reaction from some fans, specifically on Twitter, even worse than it needed to be, and much, much more. She also discusses some of the things that she's learned about some of Ohio State's up-and-coming stars through talking to them this season that I think you will really find fascinating. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with the always insightful Lori Schmidt. All right, Lori, on Saturday night, we saw something that I don't think we have a ton of, of historical precedent to fall back on when talking about it, and that was... The situation with Kayvon Pope effectively quitting the team in the middle of a game. It was partially, I guess, picked up on national television, but the majority of the information that we got right away came from the beat reporters on site who were sending it out via Twitter, which created quite a bit of confusion uh, that I don't know that we have completely emerged from even to this day. I want to talk about the journalistic side of this. I also want to talk about the human side of this. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to just see if there, if you've heard any additional reporting on actually what led up to this, because really all I think we've heard is the conjecture mostly of the beat reporters that were on site on Saturday, because Ryan Day certainly isn't addressing it much. Kayvon put out a statement and no one else from Ohio State is talking about it. So has there been any other actual legitimate journalistic reporting on what was going on to any aspect of this situation? I think what it is fair to say is that, that there was more involved than what we just saw on Saturday hmm. because Ryan day 
is so sanguine and so stoic and so committed to the mental health of his players that for him to take the step that he did in dismissing Kayvon Pope from the team, there had to be more than one temper tantrum as high profile as it was. So I, I think we can fairly say that uh, things behind the scenes were not going the way that Coach Day wanted with that situation, even before Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we've seen so much of how Ryan Day has, like you said, been an advocate for mental health, but also taken guys back after multiple issues. I mean, the fact that Marcus Hooker is still a part um, of this team surprised me uh, quite a bit when that was announced during the offseason. But um, it does show that Day has... Um, a lot of grace when it comes to welcoming back players who have made poor decisions and, and would certainly lend you to think that there was more to this than just met the eye uh, in Ohio Stadium on, on Saturday night. And if I remember correctly, uh, Kayvon actually entered the transfer portal last season and decided to come back. So th- there, this, there is at least some smoke that there were things brewing if there hasn't been anybody willing to speak about it on the record. But despite the fact that we don't have a ton of concrete information, that did not stop a lot of very large um, media outlets from discussing it with what I would say is reckless abandon, especially on Saturday night and Sunday before Pope was officially dismissed from the football team. Um, As somebody who has been doing what you do now for um, for quite a while, and especially now as you've moved into an editor's role at the Columbus Dispatch, when these things are big stories, because this was a big story, it was, a, a you know, for all intents and purposes, a blowout game um, that didn't have a whole lot of interesting stuff going on on the field during the game. So it kind of ignited a firestorm that picked up through the rest of the weekend. From a journalistic perspective, what is the responsibility of the reporter or the outlet or the analyst or the commentary to provide the information to discuss it, but also not to add more gasoline onto something when they really don't know any of the legitimate and important facts of the situation. Well, I I would say that one, you have to remember that most reporters who are reporting in a situation know more than they are allowed to say. So reporters probably had some idea that the situation was bigger than just Saturday's tantrum. Um, so there is that. However, Matt, how many times have Americans been at work, been upset and said, that's it. Take this job and shove it. I'm quitting and (laughs) still are on the job the next day. Yeah. This happens, right? Okay. Right. I, I mean, if the unemployment rate reflected the number of people who quote unquote quit every day, they would, the unemployment rate would be like 100%. Um, so uh, to have reported Saturday night that he quit was reckless to me. The fact that the reporting came out that he had quit before he even had a chance to talk to the coaches was reckless to me. Uh, in fact, you know, the high profile, what made this incident high, more higher profile than some other instances of temper tantrums during a game is the fact that Pope tweeted about it. And, you know, that's unique. OK, let's face it. You just don't have many guys going on at halftime and launching explicatives about their own team. But 
the reporting on that didn't reflect that that tweet was only up for mm-hmm. seconds before Pope took it down. And that indicated remorse and a desire not to quit, you know? So I just don't understand how. And in fact, the, he didn't quit. He yep. ended up being dismissed. So and maybe maybe this is a situation of you can't quit. I'm firing you. But still, it, to have jumped on that line of reporting so early when it was logistically pretty much impossible for him to have left the team because he didn't talk to the powers that be about leaving the team is a little irresponsible to me. And it really actually bothered me. And I think part of the reason that it bothered me is it lends itself to this idea that day is running an undisciplined program or that, that there's this situation that, you know, the day is letting things get out of hand. Now they didn't play a particularly disciplined game on Saturday. I mean, you got a player doing a throat slash, not good. You had another player penalized for hovering over a, a guy that he had tackled again, not good, but these are not hallmarks of the Ryan day era. And so to an extent, what the media did is create the reality that they were reporting on. Oh, gosh, things are getting out of hand Two linebackers. They're transferring and they portray the program in a way that it looks like things have gone off the rails. And Ryan Day then has to respond to a situation as if things are going off the rails in order to maintain the discipline that the media says he doesn't have, but which there is very little other evidence mm-hmm. for it's not like ohio state has an extraordinary number of players entering the transfer portal when compared to other programs and nations that osu has had players transfer you know if i were a wide receiver playing behind chris Olave and garrett wilson and jackson smith and jigba i would transfer too so it's like Context matters and not creating the reality by reporting on something prematurely also matters. And I don't think that we covered ourselves in glory with the way that this past weekend. Yeah, and obviously ESPN was not a part of this game. This was a Big Ten Network game. Um, But this is a phenomenon I think we've seen a lot in recent years in the sports media landscape that ESPN has kind of... um, built a lot of their daytime programming on where you know Stephen A. Smith will say something inflammatory uh, on first take in the morning then the other shows go throughout the day will talk about his hot take then the reporters who are out there covering teams will have to ask the coaches and players about the hot take that Stephen A. Smith said and then they'll report on what the coaches said it's this never-ending cycle of like eating your own tail where you are creating something that may or may not be true uh, in a rush to either get a story out or to say something that is going to get eyeballs on whatever kind of content it is that you are putting out there. And I'm not necessarily accusing anybody at Big Ten Network or or on the Ohio State beat of doing this maliciously, but there is a reason that there is a lot of discussion of ethics in journalism schools because you never want to influence the story, especially when it has to do with a guy who is a you know for all intents and purposes he's still a young man a young adult and this is a huge thing that might have been made worse by the reporting around it and and that really kind of makes me sad Lori. yeah i i totally agree 
And um, Pope, in his statement where he said he's, uh, his initial statement said that he needs to deal with some mental health issues. Um, and the idea that the media might have exacerbated that is really, really um, something that us in the media should take a look at and say, well, did we contribute to that? Um, if so, how and how can we do better in the future? And quite frankly, I, I think that we could do better in the future uh, in regards to a situation like this. But I don't want to make this entirely a, a media phenomenon either. The number of the number of people who were online that night who were trashing this kid um, and they we mentioned context earlier. We discussed how. A lot of reporters know a little bit more than they can report. And, and and if you're wondering why that is, it's either because sourcing isn't solid or because they're protecting a source or, I mean, there are multiple reasons why reporters might know more than they have been willing to share publicly, because it would be irresponsible to do otherwise. I, it's not like we're keeping secrets. Yeah. It's not like we're f trying to sit at the cool kids' table, okay? It's, it, there are certain things that it is irresponsible to share until you've got the sourcing nailed down, until you've got um, things nailed down so tight that you are absolutely certain that is true. To go forward with something that you are only somewhat certain is true, or you are certain it's true, but you can't get the sourcing right, is irresponsible, and we can't do it. We just cannot do it, okay? So it's I, I, we're not trying to keep secrets, Yeah. first of all. Um, but they are in a situation where they know more than they can fairly and safely and responsibly report. Some of these little um, desk jockeys who are sitting behind their keyboards trashing kids who they have no idea what they are going through is even worse than reporters who kind of know that something's up and may carry a story too far. Um, just some of the bashing that was going on was really kind of just a gut punch to yeah. watch. The, I, I'm not saying that Kayvon Pope handled himself well or that he doesn't deserve of yeah, criticism. Yeah, yeah, of course. He does. Um, he even admitted it. And <laughs> he would have to be a complete idiot to deny it. But some of the over-the-top reactions that don't adequately reflect the humanity involved in the situation are really bothersome to me. And I think reflect a trend in society where we just don't see other people as fellow human beings, as people who are capable of being good people even if they are flawed or are capable of being good even if they don't handle situations the same way that we would it's really bothersome to me to see the way we treat each other and i think you saw that on saturday too, too. yeah it, my first reaction on twitter on saturday night was i just i just felt bad for the kid because i think if you've been around athletes, I've been a college coach, I've coached college athletes, not football, but like, this is their life. Like this is their, their dream. And for a lot of football players, especially, you know, highly recruited and sought after guys like Kayvon Pope, this is, 
from the very earliest ages uh, of their lives and football careers, like they see this as a way to better their lives, both at the college level. And then they almost all still have some sort of dreams of playing the NFL. So to watch a guy through the, the, the eyes of Twitter and then through his own Twitter, um, kind of see that all fall down around him. Like I, to me, I just don't understand how anyone could take some sort of joy and entertainment in watching that. And that's what it felt like to me is like they were enjoying seeing this guy's life crumble around him. I wrote an article about it that went out on Tuesday on the site. And it was just like, I said, it's, it was like this schadenfreude glee that everybody had where that was more entertaining than the football game was. So they latched onto that and started talking about Pope like they would an opposing football team and even worse, to be honest with you. And it, it, it was disappointing, but I think your point about how social media and society is kind of moving away from seeing others as individuals and as human beings is is really well taken. And I think this was in a very unfortunate um, example of, of that in real life. Yeah, exactly. And again, obviously, Pope has some problems that he needs to deal with. And he did not handle this situation well and is not above criticism. It's not about saying that um he deserves to be criticized for the way he handled this situation it it needs a reflection of the fact that he is a human being he made a mistake he didn't hurt anyone um he did something that a lot of people do which is to handle a situation at work very poorly and to get frustrated and to show his frustrations um and I think for a lot of people criticizing him, I interviewed Jackson Smith and Jigba last night. Um, and I asked him the best advice that his parents ever gave him. And my gosh, he was just so vulnerable and so willing to be honest with me. And he said that his mom told him that he needs to let his emotions show because that's not something he's good at. And I, I looked at him and I'm like, Jackson, I'm I'm a five foot two inch white woman. There hasn't been one time in my life that I haven't been told that I need to hide my emotions. Society has never encouraged me to bottle myself up. I can't even imagine what that's like. And he said, yeah, society is pretty harsh on people that look like me that show any emotion. You know, <laughs> a lot of the people who were criticizing them, uh, the people involved in this situation, don't make any effort to try to put themselves in another person's shoes. And it bothers me. It bothers me a lot. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on to, to discuss this, Lori, and I, I know you probably won't like me saying this. I mean, obviously, not only are you one of the most respected uh, <laughs> sports journalists in the state of Ohio, um, especially in and around Columbus, but you're also one of the most decent and compassionate human beings that I've ever known. So it is. The fact that this has seemed to um, impact you both on the journalistic side and on the human side um, seems very, very on brand for you. Um, so I appreciate you coming with that. Um, but I taking off your reporter's hat for a second, pun completely intended. Um, what do you think that could have been done? from the journalistic side of things to handle this situation better in an era where 
hot takes and buzzy stuff is what gets people excited. Is it really feasible for a beat or even national people as a whole to do this properly? Or is there always going to be somebody trying to grab the clicks and the clout when a story that's a little salacious like this breaks? I think for the most part, at least the reporting I saw. Now, please keep in mind, I am responsible for the Columbus Dispatch's live blog mm-hmm. on, um, on. So you were day. busy is what you're saying. Um, <laughs> you didn't see all of it. Yeah, I was I was extraordinarily busy, um, you know, because you're you're monitoring everything. You're trying to monitor everything. They just announced the attendance yeah. for that night's game. Oh, my gosh. OSU scored again, which they did quite a bit. So you've got to report on every touchdown because it's a live blog. So I didn't see all the reporting in real time. My sense of the matter is that the on the ground OSU locals handled the situation fairly well in that they were straight ahead with their reporting. They were factual. Um, they didn't exaggerate. The The breakdown to me occurred when the Big Ten Network, who normally does a stellar job, I am a big fan of the way BTN conducts their business normally, um, reported that Pope had quit. It was logistically impossible for him to have done so at that point. Until you, and when you've had a temper tantrum at work, until you don't show up the next day, or it, your employer tells you, no, that don't come back. Um, you can't have quit. It's just, you haven't handed in your resignation yet. Um, that is where things broke down for me. Because then Pope is not only just a kid who had a temper tantrum and he's not even a kid. He's a, he's a young man. Okay. He's not, yeah. he's not a kid. Um, but he's not only someone that had a temper tantrum, he's someone that quit on his team and his teammates. Um, that I think inspired a little of the vitriol and, and that's, I think where things broke down for me because as long as the reporting is straight ahead, as long as it's factual, here's what Kayvon did. He he reacted when Taraja Mitchell told him, no, you don't go into the game right now. I'm here. Um, he took his gloves and threw them into the, he tried to go into the lot. That's all fair game. Mm-hmm. That, that happened. He deserves criticized for it. It's when you start to narrate um, and make yourself part of the story by making yourself the narrator of the events. Um, that's for me where you get a little, they, they were editorializing yeah. on what had happened. They weren't saying what happened. They were editorializing on it. And that's, I think, again, I think it inspired a little of the anger directed at Kayvon Pope, which the anger was justified in a lot of cases, a lot of fans, you know, I'm going to defend some of the media that covered the way the event was handled. I will defend a lot of the fans too. A lot of the fans handled themselves in a way that was not disproportionate. They were disappointed in him. They were upset at the way he handled himself. They had every right to be. Um, that That's just the vocal minority who handled it with such anger and such pointed, just meanness and cruelty that really bothers me that those are the people 
that I get upset with. Yeah, and I think that is very, very fair. And I, I hope that um, on both the journalistic level and the personal fan level that uh, hopefully over this past week, there's been at least some self-reflection and looking at how... <laughs> no, you don't? Is that... I, I, no? I think the BTM people probably... I, I think there probably was some in-house discussion. Yeah. I, I mean, professionalism is very important in this profession. I think there probably were discussions on how they could have handled it better. I think that uh, many of the fans who got <laughs> over the top are internet trolls before the situation, were internet trolls during the situation, and were, will be trolls tomorrow. Um, yeah. And that's sad to me. Um, that That cruelty to them is not something to be ashamed of it's not something to to try to change it's it's funny and it's all you know it's it's a contrarian therefore that makes it good it's i don't understand how cruelty got to be something that we're not embarrassed by and not and and trying to change it's that that I, I don't think that some of the people who exhibited that are the type of people to self-reflect. I just don't. Yeah, you are, uh, as always, right. Um, I Since I have you here, I do just want to kind of wrap up. You, It sounds like you were at the media availability on Wednesday night. Um, is that correct? That is correct. But uh, I generally, on Wednesdays, get the player Q&As that uh, air in... The dispatch game day sections, uh, modest plug there. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't get to hear everything that's said. Um, I, I was fortunate in that yesterday I talked to Jackson Smith and Jigba after practice um, oh, and after the interview. So I did get to hear what was said yesterday, but that's not the case every week. And and Jackson was really good. I, I have to say, um, Cam Brown comes out this Friday, our player Q&A with him, and he was excellent just awesome um and jackson was awesome too i don't know if that will uh translate in print as much as the cam brown interview but boy i just the honesty and the vulnerability and his willingness to to say what was really on his mind i'm so impressed with the kid i the young man, sorry. I keep doing this. I, I'm getting older. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the kids aren't getting any younger. I'm getting older. Yeah. And it, so it sometimes feels that way. But um, what an impressive young man. I hope I hope I can make that come through. Um, I mean, it's pretty much a straight transcript, but I hope it comes through when people read it. I'm sure. I'm sure it absolutely will. Um, real, real quick, though, if you did hear some other things, obviously it sounds like from everything we're hearing, C.J. Stroud is... Uh, at least significantly more healthy than the last time we saw him and will play on Saturday in Piscataway, correct? Yeah, that's the indications. Um, and I don't mind admitting that it surprises me. Uh, we saw players come off the field this past week um, and CJ was running with one arm hanging limp by his side. You, you're so, saying you're saying this past most recent uh, practice session. Not this, not this Wednesday. Oh, okay, the one before. The Wednesday before. Gotcha. Yeah, um, because they were still in the latter stages of wrapping up their workout when we were allowed onto the field. Um, and I think because we saw that, that was not the case this week. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he not this Wednesday. 
not uh, what was would it the be 20, the 28th? The 29th was the one you talked with mm-hmm. Jackson. Okay. So you're talking about the okay. 22nd. Yes. So I'm talking the 22nd. Uh, he was, that arm was just limply hanging down by his side. Um, when he was running, when he was standing there, he had the whole, uh, the, the chicken wing kind of thing yeah. going where it's like where the, the hands in holding it to your stomach. Um, so I'm impressed. Um, the medical staff has done a tremendous job clearly. Uh, so we'll, we'll see on Saturday, but I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There, there's that too. Yeah. Um, there's that too. But, but I don't think I will say this. Ryan day in my experience is a man who's not forthright. It's not like he's going <laughs> to tell you everything that happens, really? but I'm he is shocked. He is honest. I have right. never, I have never seen him to be dishonest about a situation. He'll just tell you he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, he's very um, good at that. Yeah, I'm. he's an honest, I think he's a decent human being. I, I really do. Yeah. And I think this about uh, 11 out of the 10 people I meet, but um, because I have rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I definitely think this about Ryan Day, that he's a decent man, he's honest, and if he says C.J. Stroud is trending in that direction, I do not doubt him. Yeah, I, I co-sign on all of that. Um, was there anything else of note that you picked up from either the, the press conference or the interviews uh, on Wednesday that you think is uh, notable for uh, the, the trip out to Rutgers on Saturday? For Rutgers specifically, no, I don't think so. I, I found it very interesting just from a personal standpoint that Archie Griffin has apparently not gotten in touch with Travion mm-hmm. Henderson yet. Um, since Henderson has broken his record because Archie, we want to talk about decent human beings. Um, he's really high on that list. Um, and seems like the kind of guy who would reach out and congratulate Travion on that. Um, maybe it's just, (laughs) he's expecting more records to be broken (laughs) because Henderson has had a heck of a start Mm -hmm. to his college career. Um, so I, that surprised me a little. Um, I wouldn't say it was notable so much as it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, and um, Travion's groundedness throughout his the, the whole start of his career, which has been really remarkable, is also something to note on because he, he is grounded. He talks about wearing his uh, 32 jersey in honor of his grandfather. He's um, It's just, it was pretty good to see how much of a level head he is keeping on his shoulders throughout this. Yeah. It seems like, and this might be something that actually led to the situations we saw with both Dallas Kant and Kayvon Pope, but uh, across the team, it really feels like the young players, especially as they're getting more time to play are not only starting to feel comfortable on the field, um, but are people who really feel comfortable in themselves as a part of the team um, and as a bigger part of the Ohio State uh, football community than you would expect from a lot of these younger players. I mean, obviously, you always have a few young guys who are incredibly impressive, but it just seems like the more we hear about all these young players, um, whether it's through interviews or what we hear about them in practice or what we see in games, they really seem to be uh, really stacking a lot of the position groups with some really, really impressive guys and impressively well-rounded guys as well. A couple of points on that. Um, one, I find that uh, good people tend to attract good people. And Ryan mm-hmm. Day is a good person. 
as far yeah. as I as far as I can see. Um, so it does not surprise me that he is recruiting good young men. Um, I think that Ohio State's players are getting a little less media training than in the past. I think with hmm. the COVID nineteen situation, the the SIDs, the uh, people that normally do this kind of training, are so busy. They're like. Give, sending out press releases on a dozen different teams. I'm exaggerating slightly, but yeah, you know they've got a lot of work to do, and I'm not sure that OSU's been able to invest either financially or just from a time standpoint into the media training that they have been in the past. And I think you're getting a little more genuine look, therefore, at some of these young men. And and I think we're, <laughs> I think one of the things that you can learn from that is don't overmanaged don't try to prepackage these young men so much they tend to be good young people they tend to be charming and endearing and you don't have to try to make them so um so i think that's probably a little true and then i think it's really disappointing that uh the lack of the development of some of the kids you know dallas gant and Kayvon pope should have been better developed as players as far as i'm concerned um I don't think they were well served by having played under Bill Davis. I think Bill Davis is a good coach. I think he was a poor fit at OSU. Um, so I, I don't I don't think that helped him. Um, let's face it. You should not be having a converted running back. And I know hmm. Steel Chambers played defense in high school, but you should not be having a kid who made that uh, transition at the college level, as recently as he has, making the kind of impact that he is on this defense. I think the fact that they didn't figure out sooner that um, Matt Barnes may be a more effective play caller for a defense than Kerry Combs. I mean, I just think that some of these older kids on the team have been, on the defensive side of the ball, have been ill-served in terms of their development. And I think that makes me sad for them too. Um, and, I, and I'm happy for the young kids, but some of these older kids who are uh, entering the transfer portal or who aren't seeing playing time and suffering in silence, I feel bad for them. Um, I, I, yeah. don't th- I don't think it's entirely a lack of talent. I think there is, a, has been some development issues on the defensive side of the ball recently. I, I don't think that any of the current staff, um, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think Al Washington deserves the, the blame for that. And in fact, if you look at the performance of the young men, and uh, I, I think you would say that he's doing a pretty good job, just, you know, I, yeah. it's fairly early in his tenure, but I think he's doing a good job with that. And um, so I think he deserves credit. I just think the young players deserve credit too, but I feel bad for the older players who aren't getting playing time because they were ill-served for a little while. Yeah. Well, Lori, you know that anytime I get to talk to you about anything, whether it is uh, sports, uh, our shared love of comic books, or anything else, it is always uh, a joy and a pleasure. So I cannot thank you enough with all of the busy, incredibly insane schedules that you have to keep during the football season. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk about all this. Always good to talk to you, Matt. I uh, assume you will be live blogging again during uh, all Ohio State games for the rest of the season, so everybody should be following along with the uh, with the Dispatches blog during the game and reading all of your uh, player profiles and things throughout the year. 
Yeah, I've really enjoyed doing those. And the live blog, you don't have to be a dispatch subscriber to enjoy that. Uh, I think it's a great way to follow the game. Even if you're watching the game, I think we try to provide some extra context and some things that you might not notice just through watching the television or listening to the radio. So uh, I, I hope you do. And it, if nothing else, spend the game with me, you know, <laughs> and Joey Kaufman. It's a way that we can keep each other company, right? It's great. I think that's uh, that's the best way to watch the game. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. Also, thank you, of course, to the legendary Lori Schmidt. I will have links to her Twitter account, at Lori Schmidt, and where you can read her work at The Dispatch in the show notes and in the article version on LandGrantHolyLand.com. If you are finding this episode on the aforementioned website, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are cranking out episodes literally every day of the football season, and when you're lucky and you've behaved yourselves... We even give you a bonus episode some days. So check them out. You will not find any other Ohio State podcasts that offer you the unique perspectives and voices that you will find here from Land Grant Holy Land. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. We talk about decent human beings, good human beings. You're as good as they come. You know I can edit that out, right? <laughs>